to talk to you today about critical mass. Now, that may sound scientific, and it is. The phrase is a scientific phrase, critical mass. But critical mass is, let me just give you a quick definition. Critical mass is reached when you have a size or a number or an amount of something large enough to produce a particular result. Now, let me give you an example. You start blowing up a balloon, and when the air you force into that balloon reaches critical mass, it blows up. The balloon pops. Or steel will melt when you put it into a certain heat that rises to the critical mass level where the steel actually begins to melt. Or a plane going down the runway. I've often wondered about this. It's amazing to me every time how a plane racing down the runway will finally reach a critical mass of speed that it lifts off the ground with all those people in it, including me, praying to God, reminding him of my calling. And critical mass is also reached in prayer when you pray enough. And and I want to show you today how critical mass is enhanced and maybe even expedited when Christians pray together. Now, we've been talking about praying alone, how to pray alone, why we pray alone, going into the secret place and praying to the one who sees in secret and he openly rewards you. And we've been going through all these different things that have to do with you and I praying alone. But today I want to talk to you about us praying together. Because corporate prayer helps prayer reach critical mass. Amen? So I want to read one verse and then we'll pray and you can be seated. It's very simple. It's so short. I want you to read it with me. Ready? Jesus said, again, I tell you this. If two of you agree on earth about anything you pray for, it will be done What did it promise? It will be done. Say it again. It will be done. For who? You. By my Father in heaven. When? When two of you agree. It reaches critical mass faster. Amen. Lord, thank you for your word today. And I pray that you will not only help us to increase our own private prayer lives, but Lord, I pray you will show us the value of getting together, locking hands, locking faith, and agreeing together, and how that releases great power, and it helps prayer to reach critical mass where breakthrough comes. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Now, will you breathe a prayer, dear church, as always, and just say, Lord, speak to me. I I open my spirit and my ears to the word of God. Help me to understand it today and change my prayer life. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God heard that prayer. I know it. I know it. Now, those examples I gave you about critical mass, the plane taking off, steel melting, and the balloon popping, those are all physical. But let's talk spiritually for a moment because that's where the real reality of things exist. Spiritually speaking, a revival or a spiritual awakening, or, or a powerful breakthrough happens when critical mass in prayer has been reached. Now, I want you to know that prayer is real. Now, we've gotten all past in these last seven weeks. Uh, this is the seventh week I've talked about prayer, and we've talked all about how God hears prayer. We know that he hears prayer. If we know that he hears us, we know we have what we have requested of him. But now when you talk about corporate prayer, Corporate prayer is a very powerful thing. Jesus promised, let me read it again. If two of you agree on earth 
about anything you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. I want you to notice he's placing a premium here on Christians getting together and locking hands and locking faith and locking hearts and locking requests and saying, Lord, we are agreeing together that you will do this. And Jesus said, God will hear you and he will answer. You will have, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Two are better than one. Isn't that what the Bible says? Let me read the verse. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. I think we all know what it feels like to be under a great burden. We pray, we, we, we pray the best we know how, but we reach a place where we say, you know what, I'm out of energy, I'm, I'm out of I'm out of zeal. I'm just feeling tired. I have fought this battle alone. I'm going to call somebody and I'm going to ask for prayer. And what you don't know is when you do that and you set more people than just one to praying, then the Bible says it has particular power when two or more Christians agree in the place of prayer that God would do a certain thing. It brings prayer to critical mass. It brings prayer to critical mass. So as it is in the natural, a person standing alone can get weak and tired, but a person standing with somebody or more than one other person uh, can win a victory they could not win alone. And that's what it is in the place of prayer. Now, it's interesting to me that the Greek word we translate into the English word agree. If two of you agree, that comes from a Greek word The same Greek word from which we get symphony. Symphony. Now, in a symphony, everybody is playing the same chord. If I've got a symphony up here, a a, a stage full of musicians, and and we're, we're playing something in the chord of D, and one person plays in a chord of G or F and not D, you immediately hear them because it becomes what we call discordant. But if everybody is playing the same chord, to the same rhythm, the same song, you have a beautiful symphony. And that's what Jesus, the picture he's painting, if two of you symphonize together, you're praying over the same thing, in the same heart, with the same desire, the same goal, the same request, the same chord, You're saying, Lord, do this, save my lost loved one, or Lord, provide a job, or whatever it is that you're believing God for, a breakthrough of some kind, a miracle of some kind, that when two or more symphonize, come together and play the same chord, then Jesus said, that's what I'm looking for. There's something about two or more believers coming together and praying for the same thing according to the will of God. It moves the hand of God. Don't ask me why. I don't care why. I just know that it works. Amen? I know that it works. In prayer, it means, it means we, are, we, we are like a symphony in the ears of God. A symphony, a beautiful symphony in God's ears. I, I read last week how our prayers are actually preserved by the Lord in a, in a golden bowl or many golden bowls in heaven. That's how precious they are to God. They are like incense to God, but they're also like a symphony. Now we see the great power of agreement. How many of you 
just out of curiosity, this week called somebody and said, pray for me. Boy, I need prayer. I need help. Come on, raise your hands if you did that. <clears throat> How many of you know that it would help you a lot if, if you and a few others got together and agreed for some things in your life? Come on. You need a breakthrough. You know, sometimes we get, need to get off of our island, get out of our isolation, and say, you know what, I'm fighting a battle that I'm not winning. I'm fighting a battle. I'm not getting a breakthrough. I, I, I need prayer, and I'm asking you to pray with me, agree with me, symphonize with me, come together and pray with me. This is what Jesus was driving at. He does not want a, a bunch of lone rangers in the body of Christ praying only for themselves, but there is power when we come together, and that's what I want to show you happen in the early church. Amen? I'm going to give you three examples of when this happened and what moved the early church. Now, there's many examples, but I'm going to give you three motivations or three reasons that the early church came together and agreed in prayer, symphonized together, and how it caused prayer to reach critical mass. And there was an incredible move of God. Does anybody in here want a move of God like I do? Come on, does anybody in here want a move of the Holy Spirit? Aren't you tired of the same old, same old mediocrity? Don't we want to see God breathe his spirit in a mighty and a fresh way on the body of Christ? Doesn't America need a move of God? Well, I really believe if my people who are called by my name, notice plural, will humble themselves, confess their sins, and pray and seek my face. I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and the promise, heal their land. When does it happen? It happens when corporate prayer happens, when symphony happens. Now, I notice in the Bible that they did this first when they were persecuted. They came together and they prayed together when they were persecuted. In Acts 4, we find the disciples arrested for preaching the gospel. Can you imagine being arrested for preaching the gospel? It's happening now in our world. It's happening in England, and it's happening in America. Hello, knock, knock, knock. Everybody needs to wake up. It is not the same America it was 30 years ago. But here in Acts 4, they were arrested for preaching the gospel and, oh, no, healing a man. Arrested for healing a man who had been crippled from birth. And the religious leaders get them all together, and they try the intimidation game with them. And the religious leaders say to them, from now on, you are to speak to no man in this name, in the name of Jesus, Acts 4, 17. They said, we don't care who you preach about, Buddha, you can preach about Krishna, you can preach about Muhammad, you can preach about anybody you want. Of course, Muhammad wasn't back then, but I'm just giving you an example. But don't preach in that name. Don't preach in the name of Jesus, because there is power in the name of Jesus the devil is afraid of the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus shakes things up. The name of Jesus reverberates through hell. When the name of Jesus is, is preached or taught or shared or witnessed about, it sends shockwaves through the spiritual world every time. Get into an elevator and say, Jesus, I love you. Get into a full elevator and say it. And watch what happens. You might as well have leprosy. They're hitting buttons to get off that they don't even need to get off that floor. But get on that elevator and say, Buddha, oh yeah, cool, Buddha. Krishna, oh great, Muhammad, oh that's great. But you say Jesus with authority and power like you love him, like you care, and it, and it, it rocks their world. Now, these, these religious leaders said to them, don't preach in the name of Jesus. Now, I want you to notice what they did. 
From there, the Bible says, being let go, they went to their own companions. Notice who they headed for. They went straight to their own people, straight to the church, straight to prayers. And they told them, all the chief priests and elders had said to them, so when they, the rest of the church, had heard that, I want you to read with me what they did, everybody. They raised their voice to God. How? With one accord. And that's the prayer of agreement. That's telling us they raised their voice to God and they symphonized like a great symphony. And man, they prayed and they asked God to intervene. They said, God, you saw what just happened to us and we're asking you to take this and deal with this and we're just coming to you, Lord, in prayer. And they, and they prayed unitedly to God. And I want you to notice what happened. Finally, their prayer reached critical mass. Everybody say critical mass. Their prayer reached critical mass. Look what happened. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. Whole lot of shaking going on. You know, God likes shaking things. God likes shaking things. How many of you can say he has shaken my world every once in a while? Listen, God does it. And another time when they were in the Philippian jail, they sang hymns to God and they prayed to God. And what did God do? He shook the prison. So here they, he shook the prison and here they, he shook, shook where they prayed. And look what he did. The place was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now I want you to notice they prayed together corporately, locked hands, locked faith. They prayed for the same thing. They symphonized, and three things happened. The place where they were gathered was shaken, as if God was saying, I heard your prayer. And then they were filled. And then once they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they had boldness, the boldness that they were struggling with since they had been threatened, don't preach in this name anymore. Suddenly, they were filled with boldness. They went out and they rocked the Roman world. So I want you to see that prayer, in this mighty prayer of agreement, God shook the building, filled them with the Holy Ghost, filled them with boldness, needed to carry on their mighty ministry. So when persecuted... The early church prayed together, and that was the key to their world-changing ministry. It's prayer. Everybody say with me, it's prayer. It's not education, although I, I believe in education, but education doesn't rock things spiritually. No, no, no. No, it wasn't education. It wasn't their pedigree. It wasn't their looks. They were, they were ignorant fishermen and blue-collar workers by and large, and yet they prayed, and when they prayed, the mighty Holy Spirit fell. The building was shaking. Can you imagine if we were gathered in here right now, and all of a sudden this building began to shake, not by an earthquake, but by the power of the Holy Ghost? So when they were persecuted, what did they do? They prayed. Now, another time I see they prayed. They practiced corporate prayer when things looked hopeless. When things looked hopeless. Now we read in the book of Acts that the day came when wicked King Herod, quote, stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Now we're informed that he had already killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Now you'll recall that the first four disciples that Jesus called were two sets of brothers. 
Peter and Andrew, two brothers, and James and John. John that wrote the Revelation in 1, 2, and 3 John. So two sets of brothers Jesus called first. He said, follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. I will change you, transform you. I'm going to completely revamp and renovate your life and your world. You're no longer going to catch fish. You're going to catch men. So I want you to follow me. So these two sets of brothers followed Jesus, Peter and Andrew and James and John. And it's that James that Herod had killed with the sword. That James. They had left their livelihoods. When Jesus called these four brothers... They left their livelihoods. It says that James and John's father was standing right there mending the nets with them when Jesus called them and not him. He called the brothers and not the father. And he said, follow me. And the father watched his two boys walk away. They left father. They left mother. They left loved ones. They left their job, their career, their livelihood, familiar surroundings. And they began to follow Jesus everywhere he went, they went. That's discipleship. When he says, give it up, you give it up. When he says, walk away, you walk away. When he says, embrace something, you embrace it. When he says, let it go, you let it go. And they followed him. And it was this James who Herod thrust through with a sword, killed him. John, when he wrote 1, 2, and 3, John in the book of Revelation, had the memory and the pain of his brother James being martyred, murdered by this Herod. Wicked Herod. So of the the four originally called disciples, one of them has already been killed, and now Herod's after the second one. The main man, Simon Peter, the rock, the, the strength of the early church before Paul came on the scene. And it says of Herod, because he saw that it, that is James' murder, pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. He put him in prison, delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him. Now, four squads of soldiers is 16 men. 16 men were put around Simon Peter. Herod also bound him with two chains in between two other soldiers. So he's got him locked in prison. He's got him chained up, chained to a wall. He's got 16 Roman guards surrounding one man. You think he was uptight about Peter disappearing? Now, the Bible tells us what was in Herod's brain. He planned to keep Peter in prison for the duration of what's called the Days of Unleavened Bread. The Days of Unleavened Bread lasted eight days. Eight days. And after the Days of Unleavened Bread, it says he planned to bring Peter out, make him walk the perp walk in front of all the angry Jews, be tortured to their liking. The Bible records that he was going to do what they wanted him to do to Peter and then kill him. So here he is, Simon Peter, chained up, 16 Roman guards looking at him, two chained with him, to him, right there. And already his death sentence had been pronounced by Herod. After this holiday, this festival is over, I'm going to kill him. The church knew that James had already been martyred. So what would stop Herod from doing it again? It looked like a done deal. But the Bible says, I want you to notice something, everybody. We need to learn this, especially with the days that are coming. I want you to notice, remember that I said this, because the days that are coming are not, are not real positive for the church in the West. 
I'm not talking negative. I'm talking truth. I don't believe in lying. I'm not going to get up here and tell you, oh, everything's going to be great. I'm going to tell you persecution is raising its head. And so I want you to remember what I said here today. I'm not just up here whistling Dixie or trying to get by with another sermon. I want you to hear this now. The Bible says that when all of this came down on Peter, and again, he was their rock. Jesus had said, I'm going to make you a rock. He said, when, you're gonna, when you come back from your fall, from your denial, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reestablish you and you're going to be a strength to the brethren. Peter was daddy. He was a rock. He was the, the lead disciple. He was the man who walked down the street and his shadow healed people on the curbside. This is Simon Peter who walked on water. Yeah, he sank, but that boy walked on water for a while. Nobody else has ever done that. The Bible says that the early church did not sit wringing their hands going, oh, well. They didn't give in to the inevitable and they did not cave to a spirit of fear. The Bible says, they said this to themselves, we got eight days to pray. We have eight days to pray. Eight days for God to turn this thing around. I love that. And the Bible says, listen to this, constant. Everybody say constant. Constant. And that means strenuous, heartfelt, persistent, around-the-clock prayer was offered to God for him by the church. They prayed in prayer shifts. I don't know how it was split up, but they prayed all night long, all day long. They said, we've got eight days for God to move. Eight days for God to do something. Eight days. So let's pray. So they symphonized. They came together. And they were believing, they were believing for a mighty miracle, a breakthrough that somehow, some way, Simon Peter would be delivered. And God heard it. I love what follows. Oh, I love this. This blesses me. If it doesn't bless you, you need to get saved. Because on what was to be Peter's last night, everybody say 1159. We, we serve in 1159, 59 God. Have you ever noticed that? And I wish he wasn't that way sometimes, but he does that so that we will learn to wait and trust him right down to the last minute. So on on the last day, on the last day, the last night, what would have been Peter's last night on earth, and the next morning Herod's gonna bring him out and do what he had planned. But critical mass was reached in prayer that night. The Bible records all at once. An angel of the Lord was seen standing beside Peter. A light shone in the building, and it was not a 100-watt light bulb. There were no light bulbs, no fluorescent bulbs. This was holy light, divine light, angel light, spiritual light. And Peter on the side, he hit Peter on the side and said, get up. Then the chains fell off his hands. The angel said, put on your belt and shoes. He did. The angel said to Peter, put on your coat and follow me. Peter followed him out. He was not sure what was happening as the angel helped him. He thought it was a dream. I'm having a good dream before they kill me. They passed one soldier, then another one. And they just stood there stupefied. These soldiers, they were in a stupor. A Holy Ghost, supernatural, paralyzing stupor. They stood there like wooden Indians as he walked by them. Everybody say supernatural. 
oh, please get a hold of this church. I want you to please see that corporate prayer, symphonizing prayer, the prayer of agreement with God's people released a mighty, supernatural, unbelievable, miraculous breakthrough and deliverance. Oh, yeah. They passed, I'm going to read it again. They passed one soldier, then another one. <laughs> I wonder if Peter waved at them. They came to the big iron door. Oh, I love this. They came to the big iron door that leads to the city, and it opened by itself. Kaboom. And they went through. And as soon as they had gone up the street, or one street, the angel left him. And, and Peter began to see what was happening. He said to himself, now I am sure the Lord has sent his angel and has taken me out of the hands of Herod. He has taken me also from all the things the Jews wanted to do to me. And, and, and what gets me is he goes knocking on the door where everybody's in there praying and nobody believes he's there. Talk about believing God for your prayers to be answered. Nobody believed that they had been answered. The girl goes to the door and looks out, and he says, I'm Peter. And she says, runs back in and tells the prayers, it's Peter out there. And they said, it can't be. That's impossible. Stop it. You're acting silly. Don't talk silly. Lord, set Peter free. We're continuing our prayer, set Peter free. <laughs> hey, isn't it good to know that even when you're not believing good when you're praying, God will still answer? And when your prayer, your faith is faulty, he still answers? Here's the deal. Herod should have killed him immediately because when he gave the church eight days to pray, it was eight days too long. When he gave the church eight days to pray, it was eight days too long. A satanic assignment that would have crippled the church at this time in their early growth was canceled. And Peter's life was saved. So the early church prayed together when they were persecuted. They prayed together when things look hopeless. Do things look hopeless for you today? What is it in your life that's looking hopeless? What is it in your life that you're wondering, how in the world is God going to take care of this? Let me ask you, have you gotten a group of Christians together to pray in agreement with you? Because there is, there is power in agreement. And I do know this, when you pray according to the will of God and you hang in there and you persist and you don't give up, and especially if you bring in people to pray with you, critical mass will be reached and God will finally move, and a breakthrough will come some way, somehow, someday, it will come. Or God's a liar, and I know God's not a liar. Amen? Everybody say critical mass. How many of you need critical mass to be reached in your life? Come on. Come on, raise your hand and give me a wave offering. Almost everybody in here. Amen. Now, finally, the church prayed corporately when they waited for the Holy Spirit. When they waited for the Holy Spirit, when they waited for the power of God, when they were believing God to pour out his spirit, they prayed corporately. Before returning to heaven, Jesus had told his disciples to stay in Jerusalem to, quote, to wait for the promise of the Father. For John truly baptized you with water, but you are going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And based on that promise, they went in and they got into an upper room. And 120 of them got into the upper room. All the disciples were there, all the apostles. Mother Mary was there. Mary Magdalene was there. The women who had followed Jesus and contributed to his ministry were there. 120 people were in the upper room, and 120 people 
gathered together and began to symphonize in prayer. They began to pray. They began to agree together in the place of prayer. Lord, send your... Now I want you to notice, even though Jesus had promised it, they still had to pray it in. They could have just said, well, he promised it, so let's just sit around and chew the fat and wait for it to fall. No. They said he promised it, so now we're going to believe God and pray to God to send it. I don't know why God requires us to pray for his promises, but he does. And so when, when you've you got somebody in your life, a lost loved one, or you have some need for a job or whatever it might be, yes, God has promised to give it to you, but we must also pray for it. And, and they prayed together. And they began to call out on God day after day. They called out on God. And you know the rest of the story. On the day of Pentecost, their prayers reached critical mass. I love reading this. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all, look at how it describes them. They were all with one accord, symphonizing, agreeing together, playing one chord, in one accord, playing one chord, same chord, same song, same request. And they were in one place. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly, you know that things can change in a microsecond, suddenly. I love that word, suddenly, because it says things can look one way, one minute, and suddenly God can change the whole picture, suddenly. You can be down in a pit wondering how you're going to get out, and suddenly God reaches down and pulls you out of that horrible pit, sets your feet on a rock, establishes your going, puts a new song in your mouth, and what was dark is now light. What was impossible is now possible. What was what was just really difficult is now blessed. Suddenly, suddenly, there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. As I was reading this last night, it occurred to me, they didn't hear a sound outside. The the rushing mighty wind was not a sound outside, but it was in the house. It It was where wind doesn't blow. It was in the house. Suddenly, there was a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the inside of the whole house, and fire began to appear over all their heads. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Did you know that the church of Jesus Christ, this church, us, we were birthed in a prayer meeting, a corporate prayer meeting. We were birthed in a prayer of agreement because when the Spirit of God fell, that was the church's birthday. Now, I gotta tell you, folks, my life was changed by Jesus Christ. But, but here's where I want to go with this. I want you to notice something. As they came together to pray for the power of God, again, let me ask you, how many of you want the power of God to fall? How many of you really want to see the power? How many of you could use a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit on your life? All right, I want you to notice something. When they came together to pray, they were in one accord in one place. They were in symphony. They were praying for the same thing. And they prayed for days they prayed for days, but, and suddenly the power fell. Now, I'm not saying that you've got to sit and pray for days before God will give you the power of the Holy Spirit. But what I am saying is, if we're believing God for revival, 
for an awakening, for the, for the Lord to fall and snap the chains that are over this country and over this city and over many church people. If we're believing God to show up and show off, if we're believing God to do a new thing, shall we not know it? If we're believing God to move in a fresh way, to shake the building as it were that we're in, to shake people, to move in a way that will rock our world and change our life and change the life of this city. How many of you want to see Fort Worth experience a genuine move of the Holy Spirit. Come on, everybody. So if, if we're believing God for this, then the way to see it come to pass is corporate prayer, symphonizing together. And, and in my own life, I went to a prayer meeting when I was 18 years old. I've been saved when I was 16, but I went to a prayer meeting when I was 18 years old. I had never seen men lift their hands to Jesus. It freaked me out. I thought something was wrong with them. I wondered if I'd gone into a place where they had something wrong with them and they they all had to kind of do this because of what was wrong with them. I I, I walked into a prayer meeting and it was in a house and and, and it was a bunch of long-haired guys like me, hippie types like me. And, And I walked in and I stood there in the back of the group. I'd been invited by two old friends and I walked in, I'm standing there and I see these men these young men, I'm talking 18, 19, 20, tears streaming down their face, their eyes looking up to heaven. And there was a power in that room that I had never experienced before. I didn't know what it was, but I watched what they had. And they were singing, you know, God is so good, kumbaya, simple little songs, just guitars. But something was in that room, a power. And I said that night, I said, Jesus, Whatever it takes for me to have that, I give it up. It was like the Lord said, say that one more time, Wickwire. <laughs> Whatever it takes, Lord, I will give it all up to have that. And all of a sudden, this power fell on me. Let me tell you why I'm up here. I'm up here because of Jesus. But I'm also up here because Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. And, and when he sent the Holy Spirit, let me tell you, I'm a great debtor to the Holy Spirit. I owe where I am to the mighty touch of the Holy Spirit because that night the Holy Spirit fell upon me in a way that I could never have dreamed possible. I could not believe that God was so real. I broke out of the group. It was in this old house, two-story house in East Dallas. I walked out into the, in, into the front yard and, and it, just, it just swept over me like wave after wave of liquid love. I finally had to say, Lord, if you don't stop, I'm gonna die. I, I'm about to reach critical mass. You're going to have to stop or I'm going to die. And and that night, God filled me, call it what you want, filled me, baptized me, touched me, whatever you want to call it. But the Holy Spirit came upon me and Jeff Wickwire was completely and totally changed. I became a young man on fire, not by might, not by power, but by the Holy Spirit of God. And I can tell you, through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. But he brought me this far by grace. And grace will see me home. But I, I, it's the Holy Spirit. It's that power of the Holy Spirit. These men were transformed from hiding behind locked doors, cowards, to mighty men and women of God that shook the Roman world and changed it and turned it right side up. 
It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And it came by corporate prayer. Now, tonight we were going to pray corporately. We had 90 intercessors plus uh, whoever usually comes to fire by night. But because of the weather, we don't want you out on icy bridges and roads. We're going to do it next week. But I want you to begin to get a vision that when we come together next week, all those intercessors, 90, probably 100 by the time we meet next week, 100 who said, I'm an intercessor, I want to be in the intercessory team, we're going to get together and we're going to symphonize. We're going to symphonize. And we're going to see God pour out his spirit and pour out answers. Do do you believe that tonight or today? Let's stand together right now, can we? Thank you, Lord. Say with me, they, they prayed together when persecuted. They prayed together when things looked hopeless. They prayed together when they needed the power of God. Now, is it any different for us? No, it's exactly the same. Can we lift our hands to the Lord today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Lord, we see your church, the model church the early church and how they prayed and how they prayed individually and how they prayed corporately. How they came together and symphonized, Lord, agreed together as touching certain things. And Lord, it reached critical mass and breakthroughs came and miracles came and answers came. Lord, help us to find the same thing. Help us to experience the same thing. How many of you want to experience the same thing? Let's just say together, Lord, help me to experience the same thing. Stir my prayer life. Stir my prayer life. In the name of Jesus, stir it. Stir my prayer life. Now, if you're here this morning and you uh, gave your name as one of the intercessors, I want you to come down to the front, would you? If you gave your name as one of the intercessors, I want you to come down right now. Why don't you come down to the front? Because we're not going to be able to meet tonight, but I just want to pray over you, and I want us all to pray over the entire congregation. Because I'm telling you, as our prayer life increases, we're all going to see a difference in how God is answering prayer in our life. Now, here's some of the ones who have signed up as intercessors. Now, you intercessors, turn around and look at me just for a minute. I'm so sorry we can't meet tonight, but I don't want you going off the bridge if it's icy. But how many of you can say, I'll pray tonight anyway? Amen? Now, next week, we're going to get together. And all of you are welcome. Any of you are welcome. Uh, We're going to be together at 530, and we're going to intercede. I'm not just preaching, but I'm preaching so we can obey it, walk in it, experience it ourselves. So can we just pray for God to raise up a mighty preaching or praying army? Lord, we pray, not only over these intercessors, but everybody in this place. The Lord, you will stir us to intercede. Stir us in the place of intercession. I give these intercessors to you, and I give the congregation that we love in Jesus to you. Lord, do a new thing in our lives regarding prayer. Do a new thing. And Lord, I thank you that we're going to see mighty answers. And Lord, as it were, shaking and filling and boldness because we prayed to a prayer-answering God in agreement together. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, everybody, give him praise. Love you guys. We'll do it next week. Amen.